there are some modern words that somehow connect together a Radio 5 Live film reviewer, the final words of a 1970s supernatural horror novel, and a 14th century pioneering woman mystic and book writer, Julian of Norwich. They are these. It will be all right in the end, and if it's not yet all right, then it's not yet the end. Mark Commode, The Exorcist, and Julian of Norwich in Revelations of Divine Love. Now, I don't know whether you find those words inspiring, reassuring, or unbearably trite today. But it's undeniably, undeniably true that the longing for hope, the need for reassurance, the deep desire to know that it will indeed be all right in the end, is deeply embedded in the human psyche and in generations of human experience. But how on earth do we know where true hope comes from? How do we sift between the charlatans who speak well and present beautifully and the ones who will truly offer something worth living for? What do you look for? I don't know your politics. I wouldn't presume to guess how you feel about the last nine months of politics in this country or worldwide. But certainly in our politicians, we seem to love soaring rhetoric, high ideals, the catchphrase, the soundbite, whether it's yes, we can, or make America great again. But what do we do when the sound bites are over and the politicking begins? Or on a more personal level, do we long for somebody who will whisper quietly to us in our moment of need, a friend that we trust, a parent who's always been there for us? Do we hanker for that letter from a long-lost, trusted guru, wise teacher, older person? Or do we just give up on that stuff entirely? Do we just pin our hopes on the stuff that matters emotionally but we know doesn't really matter in the long term? Whether it's the winner of Strictly, whether winner of Bake Off, whether it's Sports Personality of the Year. And I am, may I just say, very impressed to see you here rather than in front of your TVs. Do you want to know the winner? I don't know either. (laughs) Don't spoil it for anybody else, though. That longing for hope, though, goes back centuries, even millennia. Our very first reading tonight from Isaiah, written some 3,000 years ago, spoke of that longing for hope. It was written out of the context of a people who were used to being simply a political football. Ancient Israel, God's Old Testament people, kicked backwards and forwards by all the great geopolitical empires of the day. They longed for a day when this hope that God had placed in them would 
be true, be real, be shown to be trustworthy. Where do you look for true hope? For Mary, a young girl, maybe just in her early teens, at the bottom of a very, very big heap, right there in an unspoken of, unregarded little bit of Israel, with no particular prospects, nothing to really look forward to, she found in the Archangel Gabriel's message and in this tiny baby, hope. What about those shepherds? Rough? Probably tough? Certainly not on anybody's Christmas present list if they'd had those in those days. Not on anybody's dinner party circuit. Not even really allowed in the temple or the synagogue. What did they hope for? What did they find in this tiny child? Why did they run to that stable? What did they see there? And then what of these three wise travellers, kings or magi, travelling across great distances, arriving, as far as we can tell, some months after Jesus was born, finding this infant and laying before him gold, frankincense and myrrh. And right there, in those three gifts that Matthew paints for us in the gospel reading we heard, right there, three signs of hope. Three signs that even today we can place our hope in. Gold, frankincense and myrrh. Three of the most unsuitable presents for a newborn child. Three of the least useful things you could give to new parents. Three signs of true hope. Gold, because gold is for a king. Gold is about authority. Gold represented true power. Now, like a crown on a monarch's head, like the stripes on a general's sleeve, they didn't give power, they didn't give authority, they signified what was already his, this baby, this tiny infant, in charge. You can put your hope in him, said these three wise travellers, because he is the king of kings. And you see it as you read the stories of Jesus as he grew up. didn't seem to matter whom he met. There was a natural authority that he carried. Didn't require bullying, hectoring, yelling. Didn't require an army. Never wrote a book. Never chaired a council. Never stood for office. Didn't live in the era of the internet or the TV. Yet his authority came, says the Bible, from being the one who was in eternity to eternity. The maker of all things. The king of kings. Want somebody you can really trust, says Matthew? Look at the gold. See who it belongs to. See where real power and authority lies. But what a frankincense. You see, the problem with power, the problem with authority, is that as you get power, you also acquire distance. Doesn't matter how humble your beginnings, doesn't matter how basic your start, doesn't matter how close your friendships, when you acquire power, authority, when you become the ruler, we've seen it time and again, that distance grows into a chasm between you and the people that you always said you would never forget. 
Is it possible to have hope in this Jesus? That he won't turn us away. That the things that we long for, the hopes you've carried into church with you this evening, that brokenheartedness, those joys you long for, is it possible to hope that he's interested? That he listens? That he wants your friendship, not simply to rule over you? That's the sign of frankincense, because frankincense is worship. Incense, lit, rising, meant to represent the prayers of God's people. Meant to represent the fact that we worship a God who is not distant by a chasm, but as close to us as our very breath. The one who loves us, the one who listens to us, the one for whom our very hearts mean everything. And you see it, of course, in the life of Jesus, as you watch him grow up from baby to young child, age 12. We see him in the temple listening and asking. And then we see him as an adult. Do you know, it doesn't matter who Jesus meets. You read the Gospels. He seems to be interested, to want to talk to, to want to listen to everybody he meets. From the tiny child who comes to hug him, to the centurion, absolutely terrified, For the life of his daughter. From the longing of a rich man. Terrified that he's going to miss out. On what God has for him. To the desperation of an elderly woman. Who has been sick for years. And fears it will be the end of her. Here is one born to listen. Born for friendship. Frankincense is the sign of a hope. That is true. Gold frankincense and oddest and most exotic perhaps you might even say most bizarre of all is myrrh that bittersweet spice that spoke to the ancients simply only of one thing and that was death myrrh spoke of the embalming of a dead body the end of a life not the beginning of life why would you give that to a baby why would you give that to young parents It was given because true hope comes only from believing that you and your life matters. That somebody somewhere believes your life is precious. That somebody somewhere, if push came to shove, would give everything for you. That's what gives us hope in life. That somebody looks on you with love. That somebody's heart skips a beat when they see you. That somebody would give everything, yes, even themselves, for you. And you see it again in the life of Jesus. As this baby grows into a man, you find that at every step he takes, he is absolutely convinced that where he is heading is to give nothing less than his entire life. For the sake of hope. For people like you, for people like me. He was absolutely convinced that he was born, yes, to live, to teach, to heal. But he was born to die. And that in his dying, he would gain for us a life that gives hope, even in the face of the hope killer of all. Even death itself. That's why Christians celebrate hope 
at Christmas. Not simply because we love the sights of the nativity scene. Not simply because a newborn baby is always a sign of hope in a world that can feel very dark and dreary and threatening. But because this baby was born to rule with authority, was born to listen to our very hearts, and was born to die because you are worth everything to him. At the end of a tumultuous, difficult, hard year, as we look to a new year to come, the Christian hope is not simply to whistle in the dark, to mop our brows and to be glad this last 12 months is over. The Christian hope is to look to the baby in the manger, to the one who was rightly given gold of authority, frankincense of friendship, and myrrh of self-sacrificing precious love. This hope is real. It's for me. This hope is real. It's for you. This hope is real. And it's for our whole world. This Christmas and every Christmas.